welcome to the Proper Mental Podcast. Normalising open and honest conversations about mental health by having open and honest conversations about mental health. go welcome to episode 29 of the proper mental podcast and uh, you know 29 how cool is that that's like um six months of a podcast every single week uh not including bonus episodes so you know <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> but thank you for listening and uh, my guest this week for episode 29 is nikki clark who's the founder of the my black dog uh, mental health support charity. So My Black Dog is a peer-to-peer online chat that supports people who are struggling with their emotional well-being. So it's the only service like it of its kind. It's the only one that's an online chat and it's not a crisis line. Um, so if it's an emergency, My Black Dog isn't the place to go. But if you need a bit of help, if you need a support, if you need someone to chat to, you know, the idea behind it is to kind of catch you at the start. So when we start to feel these you know, the negativity coming in when we start to feel like life's moving too fast or a bit too much and you just feel like you want to reach out and chat to someone. Maybe you can't talk to, you know, the people in your life. Maybe the, you haven't got the support networks around you for that. My Black Dog is there for you. And it's all done by chat, which is brilliant because I think sometimes it's it can be really difficult, the idea of like picking up the phone and speaking to someone. Um, it can feel like such a stereotype, you know, with a lot of mental health stuff when there's like negativity creeping in and you kind of turn on yourself and you don't see the value in yourself. Then sometimes you don't want to phone someone like the Samaritans. You know, I always used to say like, you know, how can I phone them and ask for help? I might be holding up a phone line of, you know, someone who's in a worse position with me, you know? So the idea that you can just log on and chat to someone, I think is absolutely fantastic. And it's completely staffed by volunteers. All volunteers have their own lived experiences of mental health struggles. So if you get in touch with them, they completely understand in some way what you're going through and can be, you know, a compassionate ear for you to um, for you to talk to. And I just think that's incredibly powerful. And I just really, really like the way they go about things. I really like how they look. I really like the people that are involved. Um, I've talked about them loads on the podcast, so I don't need to do it too much, really. I did a little fundraiser for them back at episode 10 and tried to raise them a few quid. Um, episode 21, I've had the band In Earnest on, Sarah and Tom from In Earnest, and they're ambassadors for the charity. Um, and we talk about it a bit with them, so that could be worth checking out if you'd like to know more. Uh, you can go further back again to episode 13 with Nick Hogben from the Mouth of Manliness podcast. And again, he's an ambassador for the charity, so me and him talk about it a little bit there as well. Um, their ambassadors are brilliant. There's a real a real group of, um, yeah, just really interesting and, and really passionate people who really care about mental health that are out there spreading the word for the charity and Nikki and I talk about how people get involved and, and how she finds the ambassadors and how they connect with her and stuff like that because I think that's really important as well a lot of charities have some really big name celebrities and um, it's just not relatable at all you know with someone from that world and you know with like that much money and not that like money means anything to do with mental health of course it doesn't but sometimes it very you hear people talking about things and 
you know, you kind of doubt their uh, their honesty. You know, is it just a hashtag? Is it just because it's good for their profile? But the people that are involved with um, My Black Dog, they really mean it. They're a really interesting bunch. There's so many different people involved. And um, yeah, that's a really interesting part of the conversation when Nikki and I chat about that. We talk about all sorts of things. We talk about mainly about starting a charity. So like, how did Nikki come up with the idea and how do you go from turning an idea into a small charity? And then how do you start to grow that charity so you can help more people, you know, the thought process behind it. Um, we chat about how to do all that while living with a mental illness. We talk about the challenges of fundraising um, and we talk about all the volunteers. It's completely staffed by volunteers. You know, that idea of people that have been through something and uh, want to give back and help others. And, you know, it's a really, really fascinating insight, like behind the scenes of a mental health charity. Um, and it's a great conversation. I'm really proud of it. Nikki is absolutely lovely she's just a, like the nicest kindest person and it was a real pleasure to chat to her um if you would like to know more about my black dog or to use their service you can go to their website which is www.myblackdog.co and if you'd like to know a bit more about them on social media if you go to at myblackdog.co then um you're going to find them on instagram and all that sort of stuff their content's really good they're always sharing useful um useful information that's worth a read you want to connect with me you can on all social media at proper mental podcast um i'm on all socials probably instagram's the best send me a dm instagram is my weapon of choice on social media i'm not too hot on the other ones um or you can get me via the website www.propermentalpodcast.com. You can email me through there. Um, and the other thing you can do is leave me some kind words and a five-star review on iTunes. That would be very, very, very much appreciated. And I think that is everything you need to know. So here we go. This is episode 29 of the Proper Mental Podcast with Nikki Clark from My Black Dog. Thank you very much for listening. Enjoy. Awesome, how's things, mate? Alright. Yeah, I'm alright, thank you. Yeah, stuck trying to stay cool. It's gonna be a hot one today. Scorcher all weekend, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The name of the game is to keep the dog cool. That's the that's the thing. He's very fluffy and he oh. loves lying in the sun. So uh gotta try and sort him out. Yeah, I think that's the challenge, isn't it, for, for dog owners on these these sunny days. And time in your walks as well, right? Because you can't go out in, um, you have to go out at different times, don't you, to dodge the sun and exactly. stuff like that. Yeah, Short walks in the shade. Yeah, that's it. Um, I, I'm already recording. I don't do massive intros, but I'll just sort of spit something and we jump straight in, Nikki, if that works, works yeah. for you, mate. Yeah. Fantastic. So here we are with another episode of the Proper Mental Podcast. And my guest this week is the founder of the My Black Jog charity, Nikki Clark. How are you, mate? I'm very well. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, thanks for coming on, Nikki. Um, it felt like kind of the logical step, really. I've, I've talked about your charity a few times on quite a few episodes now. It keeps it so relevant. It keeps coming up. And I've had some of your ambassadors on as well. So I had um, Sarah and Tom from In Earnest on recently. Oh, yeah. Fab. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're great. And um, I've had Mr. Nick Hogben on as well yeah. a few episodes again. So um, yeah, it made made kind of sense to rope yourself in and uh, kind of <laughs> com complete the set almost. Um, so I suppose probably the, the best thing to do is could you tell us a little bit about what My Black Dog is to start yeah. off with? Yeah, of course. So My Black Dog is a peer-to-peer -peer, um, so charity supporting people who are struggling with their mental health. And that means that all of our volunteers have had a lived experience. So it really is peer to peer. It's very much focused on empathy, um, not sympathy. 
And it's really to get people uh, to a good place when they're feeling they can't reach out to say friends or family, or maybe they're nervous about speaking to a professional. So it's really just sort of yanking out all that judgment, yanking out all of that clinical response and just talking to a human being who's been through it before, who's had a lived experience. Oh, and fantastic. That's yeah, yeah. And I, I think the one of the big differences with my black dog is that it's um it's online, isn't it? It's ele- electronic rather than picking up the phone. And I think that is huge. I think that's really, really um to have that option, I think is incredible. Yeah, well, I did that on purpose. And um, you know, I mean, my black dog really is a product of my own experiences. And when I tried to when I built it, I thought about the things that I would have liked when I was struggling. And I know for some people, just saying these words out loud. It's just so hard. And I think we don't give people enough credit for speaking up and talking about their feelings because it's very dark sometimes when you're struggling. And if you say the words out loud, it's kind of that they're out there now. You know, I can't take them back. I've now said them and, you know, they're kind of hanging in the air and you sort of think, I don't like it. I don't like it. And it's there's a lot of fear that comes to that because you're really exposing yourself. You make yourself very vulnerable. Um, And also, if you are trying to sort of um, be secretive about these things, because lots of people are, if you're trying to shield maybe family members from what you're going through because you you don't want to be a burden, then you've got to go and find a quiet room and shut the door and pick up the phone and if someone walks in you're just going to bottle it and you'll put the phone down and I I just didn't want want to give someone another reason not to have a conversation that could potentially save your life down the line and um you know we live in a digital age it makes sense we text right we do we do we don't talk on the phone that's crazy yeah that's so so <laughs> true and uh, the, you know the message um like to get people to speak up you know of course it's 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 vital it's important it's fantastic but quite often we tell people to talk and we don't tell them how and yeah. we don't warn people how hard that is. We say, you know, it, it's banded around so much now, isn't it? Speak up, speak up, speak up. And it is the first step to getting help, but it's bloody hard. It ain't, it, it's not just the case of speaking up. That's not how it works, right? It's not like that at all. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we do, we like talk, 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 talk. And it's sort of like, well, imagine, okay, when are we supposed to talk? Because all the time you see your mates, right? It's going to be at a happy occasion, like my friend's birthday, or, you know, it's a, it's a christening, it's a wedding. I mean, you know, who's, whose fun am I going to ruin today is what you think, you know, like what occasion am I going to ruin by talking about, you know, my depression? Um, so it's really hard to bring these things up because you're normally meeting people on these joyful occasions and what have you. And, and it is really, you know, you don't know how people are going to react. So this is the thing is that now it's terribly vogue and we say, you know, to talk about mental health and we say, talk, talk, talk. But, you know, what if you talk to someone and they have a bad reaction? And let's face it, you don't know how people are going to react. We love to think that people are kind and good. And, you know, I hope for the most part they are. But, you know, you might get someone who just completely misunderstands what mental health is. And that happens a lot. And and they may have a bad reaction. And if they do that and they judge you or they leave you, then you're just going to shut down and you're not going to speak to someone again. And that is the very real danger that we're facing when we push people into talking, you know, um, and it just seems like a pressure to talk. And yeah, for me, I just want to take, I want to take that pressure away and make it a softer landing and not kind of make people feel like I've suddenly got to blurt all, all of this out because you're like, the cracking is released, you know, it all comes out, doesn't it? And then you're like, oh no, I, I want to put it, put it back in, put it back in, but you can't, you know? Um, and it's, uh, it's really, really hard. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It is hard. It's very, um, it's, it's very energy intensive and it's hard pretending you're okay. And then it's hard speaking and you can feel just trapped in this space where you kind of, you can't speak and you can't hold it in and you, you don't really know which way to turn. But I think one thing as well that we're starting to learn now is people are, people are maybe not as bad at speaking up as we think they are if we can facilitate safe spaces to speak so places like my black dog um you know all these peer-to-peer support groups and 
they're getting so so varied now you know there's like things around walking dogs there's things around like men's groups the men's sheds there's all these different amazing things and we're starting to learn that if you can if you can put people with the right people in the right space then they will talk it's not such a big secret right yeah oh absolutely you know everyone is a unique creature aren't they so you know what makes me comfy may not be something that makes you comfy and so we have to find what that is what's your little safe space what's the place that you want to go to that makes you feel good you know if I'm being completely honest I'm having a black dog week myself and I've cancelled a few things with friends because I can't really deal with that you know I, I, I know that I'm you know I want to entertain and put on a face and like have some drinks but I can't deal with any of that this week so I've had to say sorry guys, I can't, Black Dog got me, I'm going to have to be on my own for a few days. And that's my safe space. And that's what I've had to do this week, um, which is disappointing, you know, but because I want to see friends and I feel like I'm letting them down, but I think they understand and they're giving me the space, which is lovely. Um, but for other people, it's walking or, you know, you know, taking the dog for a walk. And that's one of the reasons I got a, a dog, actually, because he's such a such a healing presence. And ironically, he's actually a white dog. Um, <laughs> um, but no, you're right. I mean, we are. We, and I, I love that. I love the sort of men's walking groups and things that, you know, kind of that people go and join, because I, I do think you need to find that little little safe space for yourself. You don't have to talk about these things with everyone all the time. There are there are friends that I don't talk to about this because it's not really their thing. And that's totally fine. But you've got different friends for different things. Right. Um, it's the same with your, you know, your mental health. If it's not, you've got to find the people, you've got to find that, you know, the, the person that you trust with your mental health, because trust is a big thing. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. And, and the other thing that I really, really love um, that it says on your website is about talking early on when you're having a, a bad patch, yeah. because that, again, that's not something that's mentioned enough because we're encouraged to speak out when the wheels come off. We're encouraged to speak out when it gets really awful. And by then you can't speak. It's too late then. Right. But if you can catch these things early, it can mm. make so much difference. Right. Oh, yeah. I'm a huge believer in preventative care because, you know, what happens is we fall ourselves off for a while and we go, I'm fine. I, you know, I'm all right. I don't want to talk. I'm, I'm OK. I'll deal with it. You know what? I have another drink. I'm all right. Don't. No, I'm not going to talk to my friends about it. Well, you do that for such a long time because we you know we're stoic and you want to feel like you're together and you don't want to burden people. And that's completely understandable. It's human nature. We're soldiers, right? So, you know, uh, and then uh, then it's only really bad when you go, I can't handle it. I think I better go to the doctor. And at that point, it's, it is too, it's almost too late at that point. You're thinking I'm at crisis point. And then you've got like this magical NHS waiting list to speak to a counsellor, which at the moment, um, over over a third of people it's more than more than six months so that's um and that's that's a recent figure from 2020 so that's significant amount of time to waiting if you're at crisis point and I think I feel gosh there's so many suicide lines and crisis points in this country why do we need them like why aren't we getting to people earlier because talking about these things when they bubble up can really sort of you know squash it you know you you're you're feeling uneasy things aren't going well if you, if you dealt with it much, much early on, we wouldn't have the need for these crisis lines. And that's kind of what, with My Black Dog, we're very much a preventative service because we're not a crisis line and we're not a, not a suicide line. Um, I mean, and I think it's wonderful that these services are out there, but you know, you have to question, why is it necessary? What are we doing wrong that's, make, that's making this situation? Because it wasn't, you know, it was an epidemic really even before COVID hit, you know, suicide rates were really high. And I just feel like we can, we can do better we can do better, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. It almost goes like beyond awareness because awareness is doing great. We're aware. Yeah, Everyone's yeah. aware. But what now? 
you know what yeah. now now everyone's aware what can we do about what can we do with this awareness where can we put it you know and there, there has to be something for everyone because like you said before like not everyone can do what everyone else can do you know so i one of the reasons i was so taken with my black dog is through my own experience i could never bring myself to get in touch with someone like the samaritans or something like that and that's nothing on them they do amazing things it just wasn't me right i just couldn't picture it i didn't want to say the words i didn't know what to expect you always think of the samaritans being so um like end of the line stuff i was like well what if i'm on the phone and someone else who's even farther gone than me and i'm taking their spot and all this sort of stuff's going on and then i found my black dog and it kind of like um it just everything like the look of it and the people that you've got involved with it. And I thought, oh, hang on a minute. You know, you've got people like Nick Hogburn. You've got like musicians. You've got it, it, just the look of the site. You know, it felt like a bit of me. And, um, you know, that's that's where I would turn now. If I needed to speak to someone, I'd use your website. And that, and just the look and the feel of it is important, isn't it? Because we can't have a one site is fits all to people getting help. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, thanks so much for saying that. And I'm glad it's something that you would you would use. You know, I think it's really resonating with people because, you know, the imagery that we use and so, that, you know, I was very particular about it. I never want to pull my punches when it comes to talking about, you know, mental health and how raw it is. So that's why there's a lot of like dark imagery and sort of like moody shots, because, you know, there's no point in making this fluffy bunnies and putting a little balloon in there. I mean, that's not the reality. And I think it's a massive disservice to the people who struggle with their mental health to make it look easier than it is, because it's not. Every day you have to strap on your armor and battle through the day. And if you make it, then that's a job well done. But I think for some people, they think it's, you know, it's a bit, you're a bit sad for a day or two and then you're all right. And, um, and it's not really the case. It's massively debilitating. It affects your life. Just trying to live through the day is, is a huge thing. So I think it deserves the respect and it deserves the reflection of the, of the website and how it, how it all looks. And that's why we have all the volunteer stories on there and the blogs for people who have real experiences because they've, you know, they've, they've all been through it and it's amazing. They sort of come out the fire and they're going back with buckets of water to help the people still in there. It's, um, it's amazing. So, you know, the volunteer stories and, and, but, but then they show that every day, the volunteers, you know, that it's possible to have a joyful life, a, a happy life and, and still struggle with your mental health. It's, it is totally possible. You just, when you're in it, it's hard to see the way out. Yeah, completely. I, I, I say this time and time again, relatability in mental health is huge because yeah. when you feel like you're the only person who is experiencing it, even though like your, your brain, when it's in a better place, knows that that's not true, but you're not yeah. thinking with like, it's almost like you're not thinking with your real brain when you're having a, a bad time. And mm. yeah, just having someone else say, oh, I, I, I know, you know, and not even try and fix you just say, oh no, it's shit, yeah. isn't it? And you can be like, yeah, it really is. And that's sometimes that's enough, right? It is enough. Yeah. And it's very healing if someone just acknowledges how bad it is. I mean, that's a good thing to hear. Instead of someone going, I'll try and fix it. Have you tried this? Have you tried that? What about this? Um, you know, you'll feel better tomorrow. Like you think no, nothing's ever going to feel good ever again. You know, I'm just, it's, it's, it's like a life sentence of misery. I don't know what I did to deserve this. That's how you're feeling. And then if someone goes, have you tried yoga? And you're like, dude, I haven't brushed my teeth for three days. Like that, you know, like, I can't get out of bed and function in my life. Um, so yeah, it is. <laughs> one of those, but if someone acknowledges it and says, oh my God, I know what you mean. Like there was one week I didn't shower the entire week. And you go, yes, it's that bad. It's, I can't, you know, functioning is hard. Yeah, definitely. And even if you haven't experienced what that other person has experienced, the fact that you've both experienced something 
mm-hmm. just give you that connection. And there's always an overlap. It might be a small overlap. It might be a big one. But yeah. someone, will, someone might even listen to someone talk. It happens to me on this podcast all the time. Someone's like telling a story and I think, oh, it's never really happened to me. And then I'll say something else. I'm like, oh, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. You yeah, know, it just exactly. kind of like weaves and, and overlaps and, and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, make connections, right? It's how we make human connections is like shared experiences and sort of going through things even if they're not exactly the same, going through things together. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I absolutely love your analogy about people being through the fire and coming back to put it out. That's um, that's mega. And I think that one thing, having experiences with, with mental health, mental illness, it makes people a lot more compassionate. And again, people are going to get sick of me saying this. I think I say it every episode, but it does make people more compassionate. And it does, I, some, I get this itch that I'd like to do more, right? That I want to try and... I don't know. I don't know what that is. I'm still kind of working that out that I want to do more to help. I want to put my name to something. I don't know what I want to do, but I want oh, to but do more. Fab. You've done fundraising for us. You're so lovely. You're doing all the, all the things. It's lovely. Oh, mate. Well, thank you. But that, that's kind of where that came from. You know, I started a podcast and I kind of oh, I want to do a bit more. And I thought, I'll have a go at fundraising because, you know, that's what people do. Maybe I'll be one of those people who does loads of wacky things and raises loads of money. But I'll tell you what, it's bloody hard work, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> raising money is very hard, as we've learned. In last year yeah so I mean I was going to ask you about that like the the frustrations of having a a, having a a charity because it it must you know it's such a positive thing you're trying to do like a really really good thing but it's um it is it's challenging isn't it to raise money and there's a million different reasons why people don't always want to give money to charity and I'm not it's no slate on anyone but as someone who's trying to raise even like a few quid it's it's that's exhausting in itself right yeah, absolutely. And, it's, you know, especially over the last year, you know, some people don't have money to give, you know, it's just um, lots of people's livelihoods this year have gone and um, it's tragic. So, you you know, it, it's, you know, it, it uh, kind of, you know, it's harder to fundraise in these circumstances, I would say. And, you know, right at the beginning when, you know, in, we became a charity in 2019 and then at the end of 2019, we had a fundraiser with tap management. And they um, they were incredible and did a couple of fundraisers for us to get us the seed money to sort of start the charity properly. And I think we had sort of 12 volunteers at that point or whatever. And this was, you know, we were sort of going, yay, this is great. And that was March 2020. And then we thought, oh, no, all of the fundraisers we have that were physical fundraisers this year have gone. And we just didn't know what to do. So we just said, all right, well, look, you know, we've got maybe four four or five months in us. Let's just... Um, you know give it a go and we'll, we'll go out trying you know try and help as many people as possible because we can we saw it coming you know you know we, everyone did you know we're going to have this thing called lockdown it's going to be a huge mental health crisis you can't lock people in their homes it's going to be really bad and then also knowing that we are prime placed because we were online and we were free when people couldn't get to the doctor and we couldn't get to counsellors so ironically we were in a really good space we were just so so teeny tiny in the in the grand pool um but um yeah and and then you know some it was wonderful because um you know someone did a an ultra marathon for us and um that sort of kicked off a fundraiser which kicked off another one which kicked off another one and i'm just so thankful actually that people recognized that this was something that needed needed supporting and that there would be so many people who needed help and we saw a 2000 percent increase in that in that year from from march to march it was 2000 percent of people coming to use our services so it has been mind blowing and um but yes it is hard to raise money i mean it's hard you know for you you know you want to always be transparent and tell people what you're spending the money on and where where it's going and how it's helping and um you know we've got the results to prove it now which is which i hope makes people feel that they're giving to a worthy cause and that we're we're doing what we what we said we would 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that, that sort of like compassion thing I mentioned before and that running back to, to put the flames out, is that kind of where, is that how the idea from the charity came for you? Did you, that, that feeling I'm getting to do more, do you know that feeling that I'm talking about? Yeah, is I that know, kind exactly. of, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, um, I mean, like I said, it's really a product of my own experience because I'd had, well, I've had clinical depression my whole life and then I had a, a very traumatic incident that had happened to me and uh, following that I had PTSD and I had um, anxiety and depression just came flooding back. And, and that was a very low point. And um, yeah, I just, I then went to the doctor. I knew I wasn't, wasn't well. I knew it was gonna be a rough, rough storm. And I got some medication and then I got put on the waiting list, which I was on for about three months. Um, and it was bad, it was really bad. And I really did try and shut out my friends and family. I didn't want my family to know. I did, couldn't bear to burden them. I know my sister was having a baby and um, it was like the first grandchild and it was just, I didn't, couldn't bear to ruin the joy. You know, I just couldn't bear it. So I just didn't really want to tell them how deep and how painful things were. Um, and, um, but I did know that when I, when I did speak to a counsellor, when I finally got to speak to someone and I said, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do anymore because I, I just can't bear life. And she said, ah, right. And she got out a sort of pad and pen and she went, and how does that make you feel? I was like, I can't, I can't do it. I, I don't know what to, uh, I don't know what to tell you. Like, um, pretty bad. I feel pretty bad. Like, and uh, <laughs> it's like, and by the way, counselling is amazing. If you do it, it's, it can save your life. But for me, I would have loved it. Like you said earlier, if someone said, oh my God, it's shit. I get it. And I just thought, I wish I could talk to someone who gets it. And that's really where the whole thing came from, because I did think we could do better. I didn't think someone should have to be in that much pain and wait that, wait that long to talk to someone. Yeah, definitely. And so then how does that process start? This is something that really interests me. So how does that process start? Because obviously when you've been through something yourself, you also have to protect your energy. You have to protect your space, but you're preparing yourself to hold a lot of space for um, for other people and taking on something that's going to um, potentially drain that energy. Right. So, you know, did it was did you kind of like sit down and, and create, you know, the path you wanted to take or did, was it organic? How did that kind of um, how do you launch a charity in that respect? God, I, I, how did I do it? I knew that I wanted to do something to help. So I actually, I actually sat in my room and I thought, what can I do? And I just put a bunch of post-its of like, what are you good at? Like, what are, what are the things you're good at? What are the things you want to help with? How can you make a difference? Like, and I just started putting things on the walls and sort of like, I'm good at, I think I can do this. Those are my strengths. I think, I think people need help with their mental health and I think we can help them in this way. Would I use a phone line? No, I think I'd want a chat function. Would I do this? No, I think I'd do that. How could we run it? You know, and I just, it was just like a whole rainbow of post-it notes all over my room. And I kept moving them around into priority things. And eventually it just, it just appeared like my black dog just appeared. And I thought that's, that's the one, that's it. And then obviously just the really boring logistical part of doing <laughs> a thousand bits of paperwork for the charity commission. I think I had to do 12 new policies that I had to write by hand. I didn't know, I'd never done it before. I didn't know anyone else who was doing what we were doing. No one is doing what we're doing. We're the only sort of peer-to-peer -peer online chat function in the UK. So you have to prove to the charity commission that, that, it's, that people need it but that the things that are already there aren't working. Like you're different, so no one else is doing it. Because if you do something that someone else is doing, they're like, well, they're already doing it. And so you have to prove there's a need for it and that, and that people will use it. So it's, it's, it's quite difficult actually, sort of doing the application process and everything. And then the rest of it was just kind of, yeah, just bringing people together and trying to sort of find the people that I 
that I trust, you know, that, I mean, everyone involved in My Black Dog has had a lived experience. I trust every single person who's involved in it. You know, they're all so kind and giving. And it's really about having that support because, you know, because I know my, when I get unwell, I have to just shut down and say to the trustees and everyone, I need a break because it's just me running around like a sort of blue ass fly and they're very kind and they give me the space and the support that I need. Yeah, I, I, I think that's so important to create that environment where we can just say that. I love the idea of this world. Imagine like you could just do that at the office or at the, yeah. you know, at the wherever you could just, it would just be completely normal. Like people say, oh, I've, I've got a headache or, you know, like you could just say, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm having a rough day. That's lovely, isn't it? We and we do it with the volunteers as well. If they're having a bad day. I mean, you know, everyone has a black dog day every now and then, you know, it's just kind of a given. It's kind of what we're about. So it'd be a bit rich if we didn't give people a mental health day. I'll tell you that. <laughs> But no, I mean, I think, you know, if you need, you know, if you need a day off, you need two days off, you need a week off, like, you know, your mental health is incredibly important. And the thing is, you can't, if you're not functioning, you're not loving life and you're not coming, you're not bringing stuff to the table. There's no, it's just no point in it. I don't, I don't see why more companies don't do it. It doesn't make any sense to me. You want people to be happy and therefore enjoying their jobs and their work. Yeah, definitely. And we're even seeing proof that the opposite isn't working, right? The current system, and that's huge in a lot of aspects of mental health, it, like the current system isn't working. And in the workplace, stress is up and people going off is up. And, and yet yeah. we don't think to address it. We just, you know, people get put on waiting lists and people get, you know, signed off for months on end. But when you signed off, what do you do? You're at home. Just like that's that might not be good for some people, you know? So I was um I once got signed off work and, and I was off for three weeks. And when I came back, my manager said to me, I hope you enjoyed your holiday. Wow. I mean, I, that... I, I, I really did think that was, I mean, I was very delicate. I, I, I it was hard to take that. So, um, you know, that's, I know now from like the, to the environments that I've been in, the toxic environments that I've been in that I, I wouldn't, I would never make those. You learn a lot from that. You know, you'd never make that now as an organization. I'd never allow that kind of thing in my, in my organization. So yeah, I mean that's the true definition of stigma around mental health, right there, isn't it? In one Absolutely. one anecdote, yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Think, yeah, if you just if you if you're just recovering and you think, okay, yeah, I think I can get back to work now, and you like it's your first day back, and then like you know it crushed me. Yeah, yeah, it's terrible. Um, but I think, you know, we do, you know, I think, I think my hope when we came out of lockdown was that we go, oh, well, look, we've come back, we want to be in a kinder place, a more empathetic, everyone's had a hell of a year, can we be nice to each other? I mean, sadly, it's not the world we live in. I mean, I, it, I, I am seeing some, some signs of that. Um, but I do hope there will be a change in terms of how people look at mental health and how they empathise with people, because I think everyone has been challenged. Um, you know, over the last year and, and how they're feeling and people that haven't struggled before are now struggling and people who were struggling, it's even more so. So I do hope there's a, there's a greater understanding and I do hope we start seeing things, you know, in these large corporations of change because it's re only really when you make these huge changes. I mean, we can chip away as our little charity and try and knock on doors as much as we can, but if we can get the big dogs involved to say, we're gonna make these big changes across the board, um, you know, like giving people mental health days or time off work, or just giving people a break. You know, the dogma of going to work and spending 12 hours in an office, it just, just goes against humanity really, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does, yeah. <laughs> it's that whole thing of being the change, isn't it? You know, we kind of have to change it I suppose yeah. from within, because the, the norm, what is considered the norm isn't, you know, it's not the norm. It shouldn't be the norm. It's a societal yeah. norm, but it's not necessarily a human one, right? So yeah. we, can, we can be the change, promote that change. Yeah. I, I wanted to ask about your um, your ambassador as well, Nikki, because it's like, um, 
you know it's a it's such a cool list of people you know like yeah. it's a real um yeah a real good gang um and some <laughs> yeah, f- fantastic no, personalities and stuff so how did um you know how do you go about like finding them and not choosing them so to speak but yeah how do those connections start to happen um well eddie who is our patron eddie temple morris um he has been really instrumental in helping us find ambassadors who are you know really dedicated to the cause um which has been fantastic and then um just other people have just approached us actually and said we really want to do more what can we do um you know like in earnest for example you know their music is very representative of mental health and they really do highlight that and it's so beautiful what they're doing and they said can we you know actually we i think we were introduced through mark who's our volunteer manager um and he knew them and we just had a chat and really it's just about making that connection with them and going are you on the same are we on the same page on this and if you are and you want to sort of help then it's great to have these voices out there in the public doing things that maybe I can't do you know nobody no one really cares about the old founder here but you know they would like to hear from (laughs) would like to hear from Eddie um so uh yeah it's uh, it's great it's really good and yeah I mean it's really it's just about who we who we meet when we're out and about and who gets involved and who puts their hand up to say can we can we jump on board and become part of the pack and uh, that's how we do it <laughs> yeah yeah and again it really it does add that level of connection like I said before you know when you look at who's involved um you know all awareness is good there's no negative to it but like some people just aren't relatable that with some of you know maybe the more commonplace household name charities and stuff like that you kind of see these blue ticks and you go well what's what's that got to do with me you know I don't even care um so yeah again relatability is is really huge and when you look after a a charity another thing that really interests me Nikki is that um you know we talked about how hard it is to talk about mental health but when you run a charity that's got to be a little bit more unavoidable right so even like filling in forms at a bank, you have to say, well, you know, I have a mental health charity or, do, you know, is that does that take its toll a little bit sometimes kind of constantly, you know, having to remind people and talk about, you know, what yeah. you're up to. And- yeah, it, it is. People do. I mean, it's not a good conversation starter if you're at a party. I will tell you, it's a real party pooper right from the get go because people go, what do you do? And you go, I run a charity. What kind of charity? Mental health. <gasps> How nice. Why? And then you have to go, because I have clinical depression, which is a mood killer, I can tell you. So it's not great. And then you try and and then I'll do something awkward, like try and make a joke or something about, you know, I don't know. And just to try and lighten the mood, because, you know, you're not seeing, you don't see it coming. You're at a social function. You're just having a bit of small talk. And then you've landed this quite heavy thing at someone. And then they feel obliged to sort of ask if you're okay and things. And yeah, I mean, it is constant because it is what I do. And I think what probably what I didn't realise when I first started it was that, yeah, okay, you you now run this charity. I sort of thought, oh, I'll be quite, you know, I'll just be in the background, really. And, you know, the charity can do its own thing and we'll have the ambassadors talk about things. But it's now come to my attention that actually, no, you are going to have to talk about this because kind of you started it. So you kind of have to talk about it and you kind of have to do things and go and like do interviews and go on magazines and what have you. And and that has been quite scary because I'm, I, I don't love, I don't love that because the, the it's, you know the image of me as as being a person who who struggles with depression um and not because you know she's fabulous but because you know she has mental health issues um and uh, (laughs) it's not so you do have to make a little I had to make a little bit of peace in that and go okay well you're in it now you've done it so you either own it and be proud of it or because you can't shy away from it anymore but it is constant it is now it's a constant part of my life because I have to say mental health mental health about 
40,000 times a day. So yeah, it, it's con it is constant in that respect. And yeah, it, it can take its toll. And because I'm also quite empathetic, so I take on a lot of other people's thing, you know, emotions as well. And, and, you know, it's very heartfelt, some of the, you know, some of the messages that we get from people who've used our services, which is, they're very beautiful, but it always takes my breath away. And, and, and I, you know, ha, you know, you know, it's something so lovely. Someone said, I really enjoyed the service or I've really I had the most amazing chat and they give us a review and I really take them to heart. You know, I, I find them very emotional. Yeah. Well, that's the, that's the payback, I suppose. Right. That's the, that's the thing that makes it all worthwhile when you get one yeah. person who says you've helped me and you go, well, that's what, that was the plan. Right. That's that's what I set, yeah. That's what I set out <laughs> to do. And you know, with mental health, I think it can be because it's a little bit misunderstood if people haven't experienced any sort of problems and it can be really hard to be like, like for me, I have a mental health podcast, but I'm not de defined by my mental health, right? So I, for a long, long time, I didn't say anything to anyone about what I was going through because I'm self-employed. I've got a business. And I thought, will people think that I cannot be that job? I've got children. Will people think that I can't be a dad? And I didn't want to be defined by this thing. And then yeah. once you get a bit more open with it, you realize, oh, hang on, it's just a little part of me. Same as there's loads of other little parts of me and they all cover and just make up me. And I've just got to kind of um, manage that. Yeah. But then when you're having to do press and you're, Nikki, the my black dog mental health person. So you kind of like you're trying to get yeah. away being defined by it, but then yeah. also kind of you know people trying to define you by it. It's that's well, a tough struggle. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is difficult because it's not. It's not great for dating either. I wouldn't say it's sort of like oh yeah, you know, you're that bird. You know, the one the one with the problems, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 So yeah, I suppose people do see you in that in that way, but hopefully once they sort of get to know me, then they will go you know what well, yeah she does she does have that but like I said before it's totally possible to be happy and joyful and live a beautiful life and you're not you know it's it's a part of you but it doesn't define me it's not it doesn't control me yeah. I like to think now that I control it yeah so very much so. it, is, it is a it is a part of you but I think you know for me it's not going away so I just have to go right well you gotta love your black dog then don't you you know if you you gotta you gotta love all the parts of yourself if you're gonna have a shot at surviving right yeah, yeah, very much so. And you can flip that on its head because people who are struggling, people who need hope, they would say, right, well, you know, look at Nikki. She's got a charity. She can she can hold space. She can do these interviews, you know, because when you're struggling, you, you wouldn't even think yourself capable of that, you know. So that in itself gives people hope. And to flip the dating thing on its head, what an awesome way to vet people, right? Because if you don't get the right response, well, you know, <laughs> see you then. Bye. Yeah, and as, yeah. soon as, as soon as you get a right response, you're like, all right. Oh, I'll, yeah. He's a keeper. He's I'll a keeper. Onto a, onto a winner. Yeah. yeah. Um, how do the, the volunteers, how, what's the, the process? How do they get involved? I've seen sometimes you asking on your, on the social media and stuff for people to, to come forward. Yeah. Is that usually how it works? Yeah, absolutely. Gosh, it's so lovely when we do, well, there's so many people who want to volunteer. So we put on an ad and then normally it comes down after 24 hours because we've had so many applications. We've just done training this week, actually. So to take a few more on because we've, we've the, the numbers are growing, we get more and more chats. We've had, I don't know, how many, 314 chats in the last two weeks. So, um, you know, it's, it, is, it is growing. And the, uh, yeah, and loads of people apply, which is just lovely that, that, that people want to be involved and they want to be a part of this. And, and, and what's, what's great, well, I talk to all of the volunteers. I, I have a little chat with all of them before we do training, just to sort of hear about their experiences and tell them about me and my black dog and kind of what they're getting involved in, what, what they're, they're joining the, the community. 
And what so many of them say is if there was something like yours when I was struggling, I would have used it. And I, that is always so great to hear because you think, oh, it's working. And that's why they want to be a part of it. Um, but also because I think volunteering as well, you know, they get so much out of it. You know, you, you, you're really helping other people. And I think that that gives you a really amazing sense of worth. And we, we, we wouldn't be anything without the volunteers. They're, they're such gorgeous people and they're very supportive and kind to each other. They're always willing to help out. And um, yeah, it's great. It's great to see. Yeah, it's lovely. It's a really lovely thing when people want to do that, like off their own back and in their own yeah. time and, and that sort of stuff. And I think for managing mental health as well, there's, there's all the immediate stuff we can do or the stuff that gets talked about a lot stuff like yoga stuff like meditation all these different things but yeah but stuff like you know connecting giving back community um you know these selfless act they can help people look after their mental health as well you know it can help you feel you know you're a better more complete person if that isn't too silly an expression but I think that what's common among people who who really struggle with their mental health is that you feel very alone and you feel very isolated. So you think I'm the only person who feels this way. There's something terribly wrong with me. No one's going to want to hear this. No one's going to want to be friends with me. You try and push people away. But I think that actually with when you when you're volunteering and you're part of this community, you know that every single person has gone through that, too. So amazingly, now you're you're but you're with with in good company you know you're not alone there are other people and that's you know I think actually as well the guests that come and see us is what it's that sort of going oh I'm not alone thank goodness that's the the sort of relief that comes because I I I find it so difficult to know that there's there are people out there who feel today maybe someone's having a terrible black dog day today and they think I can't talk to anyone I'm I'm so alone um it's never going to get any better and you know it you're not alone there's always someone to talk to you know we're here but it just goes to show considering how many people try come and volunteer with us how many people there are who are struggling you know it's um, yeah 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 definitely so how does the process work so if someone contacts um you know my black dog and wants to talk to someone and they how how do they get linked to a, a volunteer you know how does the the setup electronically work so we are online every day. And if, if you go on the website, there's a little chat function, just like a little live live chat. And all you do is click on that and you can talk to whoever's online that evening. Oh, then, okay. Yeah. So um, at the moment, I mean, essentially when we want to keep growing My Black Dog, we'd like to pair people, you know, who've had really similar experiences if someone wants to talk to a one-to-one basis. But at the moment, we're just doing this, you know, for resources. We don't have that, have that at the moment. But what's really brilliant is that actually you don't have to have the same experience as someone like like we were talking about earlier you just have to have a similar experience and just that understanding of how you know how that feels and what it's like to go through that is you know enough for people to feel connected and that oh this person understands or they get they get me and so and and everyone's got a different way of talking and different way of dealing with things and different suggestions different kind of things and there are no scripts at my black dog it's everyone does their own thing their own suggestions their own chat you know it's not it's nothing we've, we haven't we haven't sort of told them sat them down with a book or anything um and I think that's the the genuine response to the human response to someone is just such a nice thing to see so I, that's what people enjoy about it um not because we've got the, all the answers but because we're there to listen mm, it's just that space isn't it just someone holding a bit of space for you and sometimes that can be just such a yeah just a, a beautiful thing really so if one of the volunteers is on on shift or on duty or, or whatever in the time frame is it a case of like their their phone 
beeps i'm just trying to picture what's happening at the other end oh, right. you know yeah either, either they'll be at their, they're probably on their on their computer or on their phone and then the chats will come in you you know you can see who else all the other agents as they're called are online at the same time and then yeah you can um you could just accept the chats when they come in it'll it'll ring and then you just have a conversation honestly just like you're at being q kind of at the kind of adding stuff to your cart live chat sort of moment just like that yeah. just with a volunteer with a lived experience and mental health fantastic <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's brilliant yeah and that's just so accessible isn't it like you said before yeah. in this ele- electronic age it just makes sense it was the one of those when you thought of it did you kind of like have to kind of look around and think surely someone must have thought of this I did, <laughs> you know? I, did. I thought this is uh, come on and we were missing a trick here someone should have done this ages ago and then I got really paranoid that someone else would like do it and have more money than me and then they'd make a like they'd make their name for it and I'd be like no it was my idea I, I I did it um so then I was like work quickly work quickly work quickly get out there um but yeah no I mean and still I still am I still think gosh hasn't anyone else jumped onto this yet there are a few chat functions popping up actually I've noticed but nope still the still the unique ones that we are yeah it's yeah. great it's great um but no I mean again it's just it's just really what I would have liked honestly I just you know do you know have you ever been to a counseling session where you've got to get on the tube and go to an office and talk to someone that you've not met before and then you like they crack you open and all of this messy stuff falls out and then you're in pieces on the floor and then you've got to pack it all back in and get back on the tube right trying not to run into anyone you know because you're bawling your eyes out that situation for me was so horrific that I thought I wish I could do this at home in my pajamas with someone who wasn't a professional. I just I just said, I just want to talk to someone. So all the time when I'm thinking about my black dog and what we could do, I always think about what what I would, what would be a hug for me? What would be a sort of mental hug for me? And yeah, um, yeah so that's, um, yeah. That's oh it's- mate, yeah, that's lovely. What a lovely way of, uh, what a lovely way of putting it. And where would you like to go from here, Nikki? Do you have a plan? I know so much Ooh. of it is like fund independent and you know, all that sort of stuff, but you know, where would you like to, where would you like to take it? Oh, well, well, we've got some really fun things coming up. I mean, we've got Chris Evans, who's been such a wonderful support, and we're one of the charities at his car fest this year. He's got two car fests, car fest north, car fest south, and we're one of the official charities. So we're going to be there and have a presence there. So that is very exciting for us this year to be recognised in that That's way. That's awesome. Um, yeah, it's amazing. So we're really looking forward to going there. And just, you know, growing, just growing, getting the word out. You know, the biggest challenge that we faced at the beginning is that nobody had heard of us. You know, everyone's like, you know, you've got Mind, Calm, the Samaritans, you know, the big dogs, and they're doing brilliant work. They, they really are. Um, and But no one's heard of My Black Dog, you know, and it's just we're doing something different. So, and so I just, I'd love for My Black Dog to just become one of those sort of household names that people go, oh, yeah, you know, that's just one of those things that I use on a regular basis. Because, you know, it's free, it's accessible. I, w- I wanted it to be a constant resource so that you didn't have to think oh my God, I've got to pay for this. Or, you know, I can only do it for a certain amount of time. It's not like that. You know, everyone, you know, everyone has their things they go through, but it lingers. So if you need a sort of MOT and like come back and have a chat with us, then do that, you know? I'd love it if it was one of those things that people just knew of that was helpful and it was out there as a, as a resource. So yeah, just growing and getting the word out and getting, people really do need help. It's been a terrible year. And so I'd love them to know that they're very welcome to come anytime they'd like and have a talk with us. Yeah, definitely. There's something like, I think a lot of people, their approach to mental health is they kind of think it's in two categories. So it's either something that you have to deal with or it's something you don't. And yeah. people don't kind of realise that that's not really how it works. You know, you can go yeah. for a long time without having to deal with anything, yeah. you know. And then that, the problem with that is then we become 
really reactive rather than proactive when people need yeah. help. And people don't know about these services. But yeah. I was, but why? Why would they? Because if you haven't had those problems, why? Yeah. Why would they? But if you know, yeah, imagine if we just knew. Same as you know that you have to go to A and E if you break your leg. Same as you know if you chip your tooth, you go to the yeah. dentist. You know, like just just knowing knowing what these things are. That would be the dream, really, because at the moment, we know everyone goes, OK, well, I'm not well, so I have to go to the doctor and then I have to go to, to a counselling service. Then I got put on a waiting list. And the thing is, it's so antiquated. You know, we've got to think outside the box. These aren't your only options. There are so many things out there that can be helpful for you. And I just think the more people that know about it, the more people we can help. Um, you don't these are not just you're not limited. These are not just your only options now. We're, we're getting out there. There's there's like you said earlier, there's so many groups and support groups and peer to peer things. It's fabulous. So if, if just keep looking, you know, keep looking, see what's out there, see what works for you. Um, because, you know, it's a it's a game changer. It's a life changer. If you can find something that really helps, you know, then suddenly it doesn't seem so bad. Yeah, definitely. And just because you're on a waiting list doesn't mean you have to wait. So, yeah. it's, you know, if you've got three months, you don't have to just sit feeling awful yeah. for, for three months. You can you can fill that you can feel that time. Right. And you can, um, yeah, you can get, yeah. Get one of those virtual hugs in the meantime, while you, uh, while you wait. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, <laughs> uh, Nikki, it was an absolute pleasure to chat to you today. Mate. Thank you so, so much for your time. I really, really enjoyed that. And, um, like I said, it really, it just jumped straight out of me, uh, uh, to be my black dog. And I really felt that that would be something I would, I would use. And I do, I try and kind of like drop it in as much as possible and get your patrons on to have a chat about it because they're, uh, they give me two incredible episodes. I class Nick as a, friend now what a lovely bloke oh, like me and, him just, me and him are just mates yeah so um that's been really really cool as well so yeah thank you for your time today mate. i'm thank really you. really appreciate thank it. you so much yeah take care Ta-da, no. Ta-da. proper mental podcast please like and subscribe the space stars